Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Most marketing fails. And, and actually most small business, when I do surveys to audiences like virtual or in person, I say, you know, what's your number one resource? And hands always go up. All hands go up. The number one source of marketing is word of mouth. Oh, my client spoke favorably of me, referred me to someone else. And you're actually braggadocious. And I was too, like, you know, 90% of my leads come from my clients. That's a wonderful representation of the quality of your work, the respect people have for you. It is a horrible source of marketing because you're at the whim of that customer to market for you. No control. No control. The the day that market, that client's like, oh, we're done working with you. There goes your marketing. So we need to control the throttle. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazny. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one, people are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world. Doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story. What made them tick? What got them to where they are now? So it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Day, And man, do we have a special treat. My main man, Mike McAuliffe, is here to join us. Mike, welcome to the show, my friend. Darius, I'm, I'm pumped that we're doing this. And th- hey, thanks for doing the clubhouse together. This was quite a few months ago, but that was really an eye-opener for me. Uh, you know what? It, so I don't know if you know this, but that was the launch. So that was my kickoff party for this podcast, was that I show. Was, I, didn't, I didn't appreciate that, no. Yeah, so I when I was launching the podcast... Yeah, I've been doing lives for about a year with our friend Amber Bilhauer got got me into that. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, man, like no one really watches more than 10 minutes of a live, but they'll listen to an hour of a podcast, right? Yeah. And my shows run an hour, like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, like it without it. I don't even have to try and I hit that, right? And and so, I mean, I could talk for two hours if I wanted yeah. to. And so I was like, you know, I want to go big on launching the podcast so we get some momentum. And so I was like, God, who? I'm like, I bet you Mike would do it, which could, you know, I was like, I need someone who's a stud. <laughs> AKA Mike. And, and I knew I, and I'd been talking about you. I'd been on pod clubhouse a lot in the yeah. beginning. Right. So I'd been kind of, your name kept popping up and like, I'd be on a room like, you guys should read a book co- called profit first. Yeah. And I'm in like a room with a thousand people and I'm on stage and I'm like texting the guy running the room. I said, Hey, I know Mike, you guys want to bring him in? And they're like, fuck yeah, we want to bring him in. <laughs> So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launch my podcast. So I do. So first of all, thank you for doing that. Oh, right, right back at you. you. And dude, my podcast hit number 11 in the country for entrepreneurship because of the, the launch I had. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I was Mine's also 11 uh, in the country. 11,000. Like, <laughs> mine is so far down. The, that's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. No. Dude, like the first week we hit number 61 for an overall business category for the whole United States. Like like number 11. That's, unbelievable, that's unbelievable, Darius. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm telling you, a big part of that was the podcast we did on Clubhouse. So, dude, you helped make it happen. I really appreciate oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a joy to be there. I thought I was the main beneficiary. The exposure is just great. So, thank you. 
Yeah, it was badass. We we had about three thousand people come through that room. Yeah, um, it was awesome, man. So so yeah, that that was it was a great thing. I appreciate you doing that with us, guys. I I wanted to uh, Mike. Do you mind if I give background on how you and I have met and how we know each other? Oh, totally. I gotta pick up my pen and just drop. But yeah, yeah, no worries. So for those of you guys that you know listen to the show, you know that the show's about two things people who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in this world. And Mike is neither short of passion or greatness. We met, you guys know, I talk about MIT all the time. I, it's, it's a thing that's kind of changed my life. It's infiltrated my life. It's why I wrote the book. It's why I, you know, it helped me a ton in business. And the, the program there is BOG, Birthing of Giants. And there's a graduate program that I'm actually chairing this year called Gathering of Titans. And so Mike, you're a graduate of BOG. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So Mike is a graduate of the program as well. He comes back and he talks, he does a talk to our group uh, and, and d- tells this whole entrepreneurial story. And it's, I mean, I'm trying to think lack of better words. It's fucking crazy, right? That's good. This gnarly entrepreneurial story. And then right after that, actually joined the group and is now a member. And now we're in the group together. And yeah. so, so man, like it was really cool to like first meet you there. And then people had heard I was writing a book. They're like, oh, you got to talk to Mike McCallowitz. You got to talk to Mike McCallowitz. You got to talk to Mike McCallowitz. Yeah, so we yeah, yeah. a little bit about it. And then when I launched the book, everyone's like, you got to talk to Mike McCallowitz. And he hooks <laughs> me up with my book and I hit him up and he's like, I'm like, hey, man, I'd love a few minutes of your time. I, I've never told you the story. I'm going to tell it to you right now. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Mike, I'd love to pick your brain on your book launch. And you're like, yeah, you got to talk to my team. And I'm like, well, I just really want to, in my mind, I'm like, I just want to talk to him. Yeah. And, and I'm like, man, is this guy like big time in me? That's <laughs> what oh, no. of me. No, 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 no. Here's the best thing. You were literally being legit. You're like, dude, you got to talk to my team because. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because yeah. Amber's such a fucking badass, dude. Amber's like, amazing. Yeah. So she, she managed our book launch and um, to the point where I was involved in my responsibilities but not in the oversight oh yeah and that's why she she and her organization she works with isaac and some other folks there they they know more anything they know more about the process of book launch than anyone i've known combined and and i'll say that lightly like i've worked with other people that that do elements of it but they've packaged it all together and uh the result for me you know i've been in this business for so long I launched a book called Fix This Next through the organization, and it was by far the best launch I ever had. If the book went to the Wall Street journalists and so forth, not, you know, Darius, you may know this, people buy their way into his list. Those lists are bullshit. Like, oh, the New York Times bestseller. It's like, oh, you paid the 75,000 for that? Like, yeah, kind of, you know, and, and these Wall Street journalists. And sometimes you can get on the list just through authentic demand. So if you see something, a, a book that's on that list for like, you know, months on end or sometimes years on end, like, Atomic Habits or something, James Clear isn't buying his way on the list. That's a legit score. So I, I never aspired to do it. So if it happens naturally one day, I'd be honored. It happened naturally for, for a couple of weeks or a week. But uh, but Amber's team did that. Yeah. So, and it was the best gift you gave me, man. And oh, I didn't oh, think, oh. I've never thanked you for that. I, at the time, I, at the moment, I was like, no, I want to talk to you. And then you did it. And I was like, right away, I was like, Dude, he hooked me up. So thank you yeah. for that, brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I would never mean like that douchebaggery of like, oh, I'm so, I'm so important. Like, I am not. I <laughs> no, am no, not. I, I know you're not like that. I just, I, you know, it's funny is I just didn't know you that well then. So I didn't have, I didn't have an interpretation. I just, you know. Yeah, of course. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but um, but yeah, so, so since then, like, I, we've gotten to know each other better through Amber and through my book launch. And um, man, like, people say writing a book is hard. Dude, writing a book is fucking easy. Launching a book successfully, in my opinion, is 10x harder than writing a book. Yes. And, and I'll actually even add one more to that. Beyond the launch, there's something that's even 10x harder than that, which is the sustainability of a book. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's three stages that authors go through. And I would say the vast majority only consider stage one. It's the production of a book. And we put our life and soul into it. For me, even today, I, I'm now on my seventh book. It is overwhelming. I always underestimate the efforts that's going to require, be required to write a book. I still do. And then once it's done, it's like, oh, it's done. I've arrived. Done. The done. world will forever be changed. You know, I gift you my greatness. <laughs> and then the next day, it's like, no one gives a shit. Oh. No one. On my launch day, my first book, zero sales. And I love to give this context. That means my own mother didn't buy a book. <laughs> Like, no one. 
And I'm like, Ma. And she's like, oh, today, today was the day? I'm sorry. I'm going to go to Barnes & Nobles tomorrow. I'm like, Mom, it's not even at Barnes & Nobles. You got to do it online. She's like, I don't, I don't know how to do online. Yeah. It was, oh, my God. An author called me. An author <laughs> called me. I don't remember his name. I just remember the voice. And I was lamenting. I'm like, I just launched a book. This is 15 years ago. No one's bought it. Uh, I bought 20,000 copies for myself. I had them at my house. I was so, so ignorant and arrogant. He goes, oh, don't worry. He goes, that's simply the quiet before the quiet. <laughs> and, then he and then he hangs up the phone. And I'm like, oh. Um, so, so, so that's the, um, the lesson was, oh, my gosh. You put everything into writing a book. You got to put 10 times that into the launch. And then you have the 10 times that every day in the promotion going forward. I do believe this. If you believe, and your book is amazing. Thank if you. you believe your book can change lives significantly, if you believe on a dollar to dollar value, I mean, look, look at your book. I believe on my, in my books for a dollar to dollar value, you can get the coaching, all this stuff. Dollar for dollar, nothing touches your book. And I, and I hope nothing touches mine. Yeah. Therefore, we have a responsibility to market accordingly. This is life changing stuff for 30 bucks or less. Yeah, it's so amazing to see like the amount of effort to your point, the quiet before the quiet. I swear like that just hit me so hard in the in like the gut. I was like, yeah, like I don't even know what the numbers are. You might know them better than, than, than I don't know them. So if you know them at all, you'll know them better than I do. There's so many new books that come out every day. What I what I found was shocking was I was people would buy my book or, or I'd give them my book or whatever. And actually, let's forget about giving it because giving it and they don't read it. They didn't pay anything. The, the people, people do not read gifts. You Dude. can give the best book in the world. You can give the Bible to people. I've received like 10 of them won't yeah. read it. And I'm not saying it's the best book in the world, but the ratings are pretty much 4.7 stars, <laughs> which also which also is kind of funny because I did this. I'm like, is there any book on the planet that's never gotten one stars like hate mail, even the Bible and the equivalent, you know, uh, literary works for different religious um, sects, all of them, all of them have one stars. How? I don't even get it. I read in the Bible, this is my favorite one star, bad storytelling. <laughs> it's the Bible. It's, it's the word a, of God. All it is is a big story. It's bad <laughs> storytelling. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so what I, amazed me was people were like, oh, I, I bought your book. They're yeah. like, oh, cool. I'm like, what do you think? They're like, I haven't read it yet. Six months later, Oh man, how's your book doing? Yeah, it's doing all right. I'm like, so what do you think of it? I haven't read it yet. I'm like, oh, my too. And I think of myself, I buy tons of books and don't read them. So what I found was it's really a, it was shocking to me that people would buy the book and not read it. And then yeah. B, that it was one of these things where even to your point, good friends, family, they're like, how's the book going? And they're not supporting at all. Oh, no, like, no, no one steps up. No, 20 years yeah. of my life in that book. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I think authorship is the brutal essence of entrepreneurship. The analogy I use is when you write a book, uh, just in the business genre, own, and, and to give some context, there's 2 million books released per year that are registered. Two, that means Amazon has 2 million new books every year coming on board. It doesn't include all those PDFs, downloads, all that stuff. So it is a really competitive market. What I tell people, just in the business genre alone, releasing a book is like putting one cereal box that's different and unique in the cereal aisle at a supermarket, but the entire supermarket has decided to become selling cereal. So every aisle cereal, and it's connected between 10 supermarkets that are all linked together, all carrying just cereal. Find your box. That is basically the competition we're going against. It is extraordinary, diff extraordinarily difficult to stand out and get noticed, and that's absolutely our responsibility. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now. And let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. 
Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear, uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and, and like using the number you just quoted, uh, that which answered my earlier question is, dude, that's fifty five hundred books a day come out. <laughs> I know, I know, per, per day. So, so like my book comes out in the next week. There's twenty four, twenty five thousand other books that just hit at the same yeah. that week. That's in those yeah. five days, right? Not including the weekend. So, so you get lost in the noise. Uh, I heard this quote that that you just reminded me of. They said the the second hardest thing to do is to raise money. The first hardest is to build an audience, right? <laughs> and, yeah. And, you know, yeah. and so you start looking at that. It's like because people are paying you with their most valuable asset, not their money, their fucking time. Right. Yeah. So in our books, to, to your earlier point of the readership. So um, of all the people exposed to it, um, say you're lucky one percent buy it. So every hundred people that hear of it, one percent on a good day and end up saying, you know what, I'll, I'll put that in my Kindle or I'll download or something like that. Of the people that actually buy a book, I believe it's roughly 10 percent that will open the book and 10% of that group that will complete it back to 1%. Our goal is that 1% that finishes the book is so enthusiastic, is so in love with the book that they tell 100 more people. And if we can get that, I think we hit a tipping point. If I can get one person to inspire 100 people to buy a book, then it starts over again. 10% will will, will open the crack, the, the, the book open. 10% of that will finish the book. And I need that one person to be inspired for another 100. With uh, my first book, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, I remember getting a story of someone that, that bought a book that didn't he- know of me, but said, I read your book and I love your book. And he's like, I want to tell you how I heard about it. And uh, there was a taxi cab driver, he said, and I only had the description of this guy. It was like somewhere in Chicago. He had like dreadlocks. He had those ear stretching loops before they were cool, like nipple rings. You could just see through his t-shirt. <laughs> and and this guy gets in the cab and he's like, oh my God, this is not feeling safe. And the taxi cab driver doesn't turn around and say, where do you want to go? He goes, dude, you got to listen to this effing book, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. And he hits play on his Audible. And they start driving. <laughs> and the guy's like, you, you have this advocate out there for you. And I'm like, oh, that's it. Yeah. We have to lean into so much who we are that there's a certain community that says, this was written for me and only for me. And I'm going to start preaching it to the world. 
and, and I try to do that with every book. I try to, try to do it with everyone that reads it. And it's a rarity, but sometimes you get that person that becomes that Uber promoter. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I want to get into how do you do that? But before we go there, like I didn't even give you a formal bio. Like guys, those oh. of you that are new to Mike, uh, which is probably far, far and few between, I'm, I'm coming to learn. By the way, I'm, I'm in an airport the other day, an FBO. I went to see a client that I spoke about the book. They hired me, a publicly traded company, to come and actually build their core values, first one. Oh, that's I, cool. Yeah. The, the, the coolest part of the whole thing was they flew me on a private jet to that's and from. cooler. That, that, that was pretty amazing. I mean, both were cool. I'm coming home and I'm sitting there unsolicited this happened i'm not kidding you you're this is this may not blow your mind but it blew my mind and the the consultant that hired me was like you know i'm about to start reading this book have you ever heard of this and pulls out pumpkin plan like straight up out of out of her purse That's and awesome. i'm like yeah mike's gonna be on my sh- this is on t- tuesday i yeah. said yeah mike's gonna be on my show on friday <laughs> this is three yeah. days ago random unsolicited bust out the pumpkin plan in hard form. And I'm like, and that I'll tell you what, honestly, man, that is how I've, I mean, I, maybe you're just a big ass deal and you don't know it, but that's how it, I'm telling you, that's how it, Hey, Darius, have you heard of profit first? I coach entrepreneurs, dude. Like yeah. we, we follow the profit first plan. Hey, Darius, have you heard of clockwork? I'm like, <laughs> like, like, the guy's an asshole. You should be, you should be the anti me. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's called a big D bag. No, no, no. We call like, him McCallus shits back oh, no. at BOG. Yeah. No, no, no. I go, I go, no, Mike's a badass. I go, I'm, I'm lucky enough to know him personally. So no, you're out there, man. You're in the ether, you. but you've done all these books, you know, get different is the new book. We're going to be talking about fix this next clockwork first pumpkin plan. I mean, you know, toilet paper entrepreneurs, what got it all started, but do you mind giving like a, the five minute quick and dirty of how did you get to writing books because it wasn't where you started. You started off as an entrepreneur. Yeah, give us yeah. a quick and dirty and then I'd love to talk about, you know, about the new stuff as well. So yeah, sure. So the Queen Dirty uh became an entrepreneur right out of college. I actually never had a real job for a long I did in the very beginning. I worked at a computer store. That's a real job. Started my own business on a, a drunken bet effectively. Uh terrified, didn't know what I was doing, but fell in love with the entrepreneurial journey as I was doing it. I sold that to private equity started a new business um, in computer crime investigation, hooked the Enron trial. We didn't do the entire wow. Enron trial. We did defense side work for what was called the Nigerian barge trials, one of the major elements of, of the Enron events, and uh, put my little company on the map. And then Christy Brinkley hires us. And uh, we do, you know, Michael Jackson, um, his attorneys are talking with us about the trial that they were going through at the time to do all these forensic investigations. That company was like from nothing to seven million on a bootstrap within two and a half years, get acquired by a Fortune 500, and that's the day I became the ultimate douchebag because I'm like, oh, I am like I know God. everything. I am God's gift to entrepreneurship. I have the Midas touch. You know all this stuff that I promised I would never become. I was the biggest d bag, and uh, I had I bought I moved into the most expensive town. I got placed out in Hawaii for sabbaticals. <laughs> I um, I got the cars. I had, dude, I had a Dodge Viper, which ends up Darius is the trophy for dicks. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, blah, blah, blah. and I didn't. I was blind to it. But here's the the essence of dickhood. <laughs> I I thought I was better than you. I thought I was better than everyone. And, yeah. and, and I, I'm actually I'm gonna get goosebumps here because I'm ashamed of that. I'm embarrassed. I wouldn't say that to you. But I would feel it if we were walking down the street and we crossed paths and, and you're like, hey, how you doing, Mike? I'm like, I'm doing great. And in my head, I'm like, but you're not doing as good as me. Like just total, utteral dickhood. <laughs> I then start uh, a new business uh, as an angel investor, because if you're a BOG here and you have an exit, you've got to become an angel investor. So right. I'm like, hey, that's what I am now. I had no clue what I was doing. Uh, I wiped out everything I had. I lost my house. Wow. Um, I remember coming home to my family. I may have told you this before and uh, facing my family saying, we're losing the house. We lost it 30 days later. We lost all our possessions. And I told my daughter, she can't go to horseback riding lessons because I, I was broke. I can't afford it. Uh, she ran to her room to get a piggy bank. And she comes back to me at three children. And she looks at me. She goes, daddy, since you can no longer provide for you, I will at nine years old. And uh, that was like this wake up call of the century that I have, I got no clue about entrepreneurship. I have no clue about humanity. 
and uh, I went to depression for a few years yeah. and struggled. But at the and actually, I, I was in GOT up until my depression. So I was in GOT. Wow. I was in there was a I guess the founding class. Yeah, yeah. I'm in Rick Sapio's class. I continued GOT. I went to depression and it's like I can't face the world. I'm so embarrassed. So I skipped GOT for three or four consecutive years before I got invited back to speak years later. And I, um, I, it was a wake up call. So it, what happens is it plants, a, it, for me, it planted a seed. It wasn't like the next morning I woke up and said, I got to fix all this, but yeah. planted a seed. And I started journaling, which is a great cheap therapy, by the way, when you can't afford a therapist, just write. <laughs> and I started writing like, what I don't understand about entrepreneurship. I didn't understand profitability. Those businesses were never profitable. They had great revenue. They were never profitable. They were, I was terrified. I didn't understand how to manage people. I thought micromanagement was like the way to run businesses. Um, I didn't understand the, the importance of individuals and that how there, there's a communal component to business. And I thought it was a hierarchy and that I was the king. You know, that pyramid where I put on top uh, in a box, the word me, and this long line all the way down to all the other people that are serving me. And uh, I just, I, I felt that my my ego got ripped out. I hope that day and I, I pray it never turns. Maybe it will. I, I pray to God it never does. And I set out to solve all the things I don't understand about business. Every book I've written, I don't, I didn't get it. And I don't know if I still get it, but I, I, I invest everything I can to figure it out, apply it to my current businesses. And then whoever else wants to learn it, I, I put it out there, you know, through books. Nice. Wow, man. I appreciate you you getting vulnerable like that. Um, funny enough, I I had a similar thing, right? I, I when did you graduate BOG? What year? 2001, 2002. And when Maybe you, you weren't even born yet. Yeah, I, I was like in my mom's womb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, didn't, I tell you this, I am your father. This is the awkward reveal. So, you mean, son, I'm proud of you. Do you mean Mershazde is really Michalowicz? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, Michalowicz is the simplified version of Mr. Kananrade. So. <laughs> They're both M's and they both have a Z and they have 12 letters. Um, exactly, exactly. And no one can pronounce them. <laughs> Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here, and by now you might know that I'm passionate about a few things. Pizza, pink unicorns, core values, and down-dirty, interesting conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment. And you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to The Greatness Machine. All you have to do is go to DariusScale.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And there, you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end. And it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's DariusScale.com. And now back to the show. Well, so what year did you go belly up? Uh, I went belly up twice. So once in uh, 2008 was 2008 was the big one. That's when I lost my house and stuff. Okay. Um, that and then I did once before, but not to that degree. So 2008 was the Great Reckoning, and you know there was this economic collapse too. I'm like, oh, I'm going to play the stock market. I have no clue what I'm doing. Ooh, that goes. Bye bye. 2008 to 2010, 11, I was in, in this depressive state, which actually reminds me now. I take it back. I was still doing GOT during that, but I was in total denial. I kind of removed myself. There was a certain point um, where then I decided to leave for about three to four years. So I actually came a little bit later on and then just restarted maybe four years ago, three years ago. Yeah, because I got started for uh, 17 was my first year. Okay. So my business, I had a business that was number 40 in the Inc. 500. It was it, oh. my, it was my first company. It was literally the 40th fastest growing company in the United States from 03 to 06. 
and oh, but it was a subprime mortgage lender. So in 07, we implode. <laughs> when I was at the Inc. 5000 conference, I was yeah. the 40th fastest shrinking company in the United States. Oh my God. Um, and then I went five years of zero money. I didn't make a dollar for five years. Zero dollars. I, I made a profit. I made a lot of profit over the previous years. Yeah. And, I, and I had to live. The re- only reason I didn't go belly up is I was cheap and, and I didn't like, and I saved all my money. And then I spent most of it over the next five years. But the biggest issue there was the depression, right? Massive depression, self-doubt. Yeah. Like, I'm a fucking loser. Yeah. All my yeah. people that used to... And what you don't realize when you're CEO or an entrepreneur and you're running the business is people are fucking nice to you because you're the boss. Yeah. Like, like yeah, straight up. Totally straight true. up. Yeah. I don't care how great of a company you run. People are nice to you because of the position of authority you have. Yeah. And and I and all of a sudden people are not returning my calls who were nice to me for years and years and years. And I and I and I was not a dick. I was a pretty good like nice ent- entrepreneur. And but all of a sudden they need they didn't have anything. They need need me for anything. Yeah. And, and I realized oh wow it was a privilege to be the CEO. And I thought that I deserved that attention. But the reality was I got it because of the role I had. Yeah. Right? And and so. Um, I quit talking to all my BOG people because I was embarrassed. I was like, I don't I'm fucking what I'm going to go there and talk about how I haven't made any money and I can't grow a business and I'm pivoting. I quit EO. I quit my yeah. forum. I went into a pretty dark depression. I gained a bunch of weight and, and it took me a while to get out of it. 2012, you know, Oh, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, five years. And then I, you know, finally I, I got, you know, got lucky again, I guess. And I popped out of it and, and had a good ride thereafter. But but yeah, man, it's the entrepreneurship is hard. You know, entrepreneurship is hard. You know, do you reflect on those days as actually being of service to you? In, in retrospect, is that good that you had that? You know, people always say like, "Yeah, but but you know, I bet you wouldn't do it any other way." And I'm like, "Fuck no, I would." You know, <laughs> you know, you know, my answer to it is is I was way too hard on myself. Yeah, and that I would have been much kinder to myself, and I wouldn't put myself through that. And that my my self worth has nothing to do with the success of my business. Mm, I love that. You know. Yeah, I was mature enough to to see that. It's funny. I just uh, just recently I've been redefining what success is. I think success is the the lack of attachment to the affects of success. That right. it's almost feeds on itself. But th- what I've discovered is really people that I see as successful don't care about the affects. It's it's really about this inner confidence. And so success doesn't necessarily come from growing a big company. Um, it, it can be someone that is, is actually has, is free of any vice, uh, free of any material things. Uh, it, it could be a very Buddhistic type of yeah. life. Yeah. I was going to say, you're describing Nirvana. <laughs> but I think also, I think also it can be a company the size of, you know, a Google or whatever. I, I think it can present in any way, but I, I realized when something is significant because of what it means in regards to prestige or comparison, that's when I'm losing the plot. That's when I'm losing the plot. I, I like the guy who drives a Ferrari who says, I just like it. I, I, for me, I don't care what other people think. I think it's a cool ride. I don't want to ever be the guy who's like, oh, I have the Ferrari, honestly, at a subconscious level, so that I can wave my dick around a little bit. Like th- That's, to me now, is losing the plot. And, and it's very difficult for me to stay in alignment with that, but I'm like, oh, Ultimately, the joy is 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 a disconnection from affects. I, I like fine things, great yeah. wine, beautiful views, nice house, love it. But the second I see it as a comparative, I, I'm starting this downward spiral. I think. Oh yeah, no compared despair, right? And, oh, and I never heard of that. That's genius. I stole it from LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, compared despair, right? Like comparison is the mother of like you know like negativity, right? Like we compare oh. ourselves. Oh, 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 that I I I deserve to be more successful than that person you know yeah, yeah, like, oh, totally like right oh. like like that dude that's a fucking trap you know i have a buddy um i'm in a group called tiger 21 which is like kind of where why owners go to like like invest their money after they exit right yeah, yeah, yeah and 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 there's some really like successful people like financially successful yeah, people, yeah, yeah. like like ridiculous and so there's a guy in the group and he said i swear this was like this blew my mind because i'm nowhere near his level and he's like yeah, so I had a he has a, his a private plane. He's like I had a King Air, and I, he's like every time I'd fly into Aspen, I'd look and see the jets, and I would be like, God, I'm a loser. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it gets gets dude, this gets better. Then he goes, then I bought a jet, and then I'd look over and be like, man, I'd be jealous of the G5. 
yeah, Gulf yeah, Stream yeah. Five. And he's like, at that moment, I realized where does this end? You know, yeah. like private planes not good. My three million dollar, two million dollar plane's not good enough. Now I got my five seven million dollar jet. That's not good enough. It's like where does it, never it end? You know, it never and, and so I'm sitting there taking notes, and I'm like, note to self: when I get jet, I won't be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I was, and you were just on a private jet. You had the experience. I heard uh, a great phrasing. This actually came from Dave Ramsey in one of his books, or, or maybe on one of his podcasts or something. But uh, someone was talking about his house, which I've had the privilege of of uh, going and visiting and uh, hanging out with Dave Ramsey. Um, not more of it was a social gathering, not not an individual like me and him. But what he said, I thought was really powerful. His house is gorgeous, you know, amazing. He goes, this isn't my house. He goes, I'm simply a steward of this house. That word steward is amazing. It's like, it, it, I, I'm, in, in, I'm temporarily responsible to care for something is what a steward does. And he says, this, in this life right now, I, I'm just in stewardship of these things. And he goes, it's, it's the greatest privilege, but it is simply stewardship. I was like, okay, that now that kind of all puts things into alignment for me. We're, we're just, whatever affects or things we experience, We've been a steward for it. And it could be a butterfly lands in your hand. You are a steward in that moment. And just you know, the, the the volume of appreciation you can have is just as great for that as it could be for a massive house. It, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just the respect that we have the privilege to be part of this journey in this moment. Yeah, I, I love that, man. You know, and you're making me think like I, I, I was asked a question on a podcast so like, what's your like, what do you want your legacy to be? And it was and I said, I don't care about legacy, you know, mm. and I didn't feel that way before. I said, I just care about like really like feeling like I lived a fulfilled life while I'm here. Cause when I'm dead and you know, Rand Stegen, right? Yeah. 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 So I don't know him personally. I mean, I know him through, for, through our group. Yeah. So Rand, Rand did this thing with me where he's like on the left side of your shoulders, your, your parent, your father on the right is your mother to the left. And they're having sex through your ears. I'm they're, just, they're just totally banging my face. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he said, what's your dad's name? Say my dad's name. What's your mom's name? Say your mom's name. To the left of your, your dad is his parents. What are their names? And, and dude, I, I don't know my dad's parents' names because they died before I was born. Yeah. And he's like, and I do know my mom's parents. He's like, okay, I can keep going. What are your mom's oh, parents', forget, parents yeah, names? So, right. So he's like, and the, the data around this is ridiculous. It's like one out of eight people could name more than three, like three generations back or more. One yeah, out of yeah, eight. Yeah. Like yeah. One, I think it's like three out of eight people can't name their grandparents' names, right? And, and, or half or something like that. So he's like, that's legacy, Darius. Like no one cares once you're dead. And so that made us up to some point of that. And so I have a friend I was talking to and he's like, I have three, I swear to God, you said this to me. He's like, I have three years to create my legacy. And I'm like, what does that even fucking mean, dude? I'm yeah. like, I, I was almost like, hey, bro, you need to just enjoy your life. You know, he yeah. doesn't have kids yet or anything like that. So I think that's part of it. Um, he doesn't care, love something more than himself. But yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts on legacy or like what, what are your thoughts on, on the book? I, I mean, for myself, I, I do want to leave this planet and uh, the thoughts of the people who knew me said, oh, that, he was a good dude. He was just a good dude. Like that is a massive win for me. But and this is ego speaking, like there's certain people when you go through your lineage, you look back and say, oh, my God, I'm like one one hundredth of a cousin to George Washington, George, you know, George Washington. Like I would my fat ego says I would like someone one day to say, you know, I was one one hundredth of Mike McChannanalo with guy. That guy. Like, he's one one hundredth my cousin. Like. That's my fat ego with like that. That I've had that kind of impact that people want to associate that. But honestly. If I can just exit here saying that was a good dude, like that's the win for me. Yeah, I love it. Well, speaking of of your legacy, man, you've written all these books. You keep, I mean, you keep, it's what it's, you're like the freaking Beatles or something, man. Like, <laughs> like just you keep crumping. I'm serious. Like, like you cranking out the hits. Like, okay, I'm going to admit something. I, I was not aware of you as an author because yeah. I, uh, you know, the, the, like I, you know, just weren't on my radar. Welcome to everybody on this planet. Yeah, and except you have five thousand reviews on Amazon for like one book. So like, I don't buy that shit. And trust yeah, me, yeah, have, you know, yeah, that book's got some popularity. McCallowitz, I have fifty-one reviews. So trust, and and those were hard-fought reviews. So oh yeah, 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 yeah. So so when I see five thousand, I'm like, no, you're you're in the ether, big time. Yeah. So you know, you. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. 
Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let's talk about the new book, Get Different. It's coming out. I want to hear all, you know, all that you're willing to share. Um, sure. It's a big deal. So here's, a book. here's the look. This is a, it's, here's something interesting. This is a... Uh, it's a, it's a, it's not the galley copy. They don't. My publishers, Penguin Books, they're not doing galleys because because of, of the COVID ramifications. And literally yesterday, call with um, the team there and Margot, who Margot on their side, who's leading the effort on their marketing, says, "So how many are we going to sell the first week?" And I'm like, "Um, you know, if we can do five thousand, be cool." I'm like, "We're targeting for 10. She goes, "No, no, no. How much are we guaranteed to sell? I need to know the exact number." I'm like, "How do I know?" Like, I, I I don't have, she's like, this is the new game of selling books with a mainstream publisher is print is so difficult to get that you got to nail your number. If you overestimate and there's a backlog, there's, there's a punitive situation, not that they're going to penalize me financially, but there's a burden now on inventory that's not moving. And there's only so much self space that I've overprinted and they're going to dock me on the next book. If I underestimate, um, now there's going to be out of stock everywhere and sales are going to plummet when you're out of stock. So you, you got to nail the number. I'm like, oh my God, it's like a whole new level of authorship. All of my woes aside, um, the new book, right, what I try to do is, is boil down to the essence of what makes something effective. So with Profit First, there's so much accounting knowledge out there and it's so beyond my grasp and it's all fantastic. Uh, what I wanted to figure out was, What's the one thing I can do that just makes sure I'm consistently profitable? And I boil it down to every time money comes in, take a percentage of profit, hide it, pay yourself first in your business. And that'll change. That, that's the 80 percenter. Like that, that's the Pareto principle, whatever they call it. Like the one right. thing you do that has a big impact. In marketing, I said, you know, most marketing fails. And, and actually most small business, when I do surveys to audiences like virtual or in person, I said, you know, what's your number one resource? And hands always go up. All hands go up. The number one source of marketing is word of mouth. Oh, my client spoke favorably of me, referred me to someone else. And they're actually braggadocious. And I was too like, you know, 90% of my leads come from my clients. And that, that's a wonderful representation of the quality of your work, the respect people have for you. It is a horrible source of marketing because you're at the whim of that customer to market for you. No control. No control. The, the day that market, that client's like, oh, we're done working with you. There goes your marketing. Yeah. So we need to control the throttle. Here's the three things I found that make marketing successful. The essence of it. And you can, you can run this acid test against any of your marketing, any of your competitors' marketing, anything. Has what's called the DAD framework. It's an acronym. D stands for differentiate. You must do marketing differently for your prospect than everyone else is doing. Because we consumers become habituated. Our mind very quickly adjusts to irrelevance. So 99.999% of the stimulus around us right now, we're ignoring. We always ignore Unless it's a threat, can bring harm to us, we got to pay attention. Opportunity, we can grasp it. Or if we don't know what it is, the unexpected, we have to evaluate for threat or opportunity. Quick example, the first hey friend email I got, um, I was like, oh my God, like who's this friend calling me friend? Yeah, <laughs> Isn't yeah. it amazing, right? I'm like this friend's amazing. So smart of this friendly friend. And I, halfway through it, I'm like, this is, this is marketing. Shame on them. Yeah. The next hey friend that came through, I was like, Hey friend mm -hmm. equals marketing that's irrelevant. Ignore it. By the third one, I've never opened a hey friend email. Yeah. That's habituation. To break through it, you have to do the unexpected. That's why the first hey friend we all noticed because it was different. The beautiful thing is in our industry, whatever niche we're targeting, just take ideas from other industries, apply them to yours that no one's doing, and that will be the new hey friend. It will work until other people start replicating it. Right. The beautiful thing is in the info marketing space, people replicate fastly, fast. In most spaces, replication happens very slowly, so you can milk right. that cow. The next part, so D, differentiate, then it has to be attractive. You, you have to get noticed. You win the customer's attention every time on being unexpected, 
for one tenth of a second. So now I got that's like the blink test, I call it. Now you gotta show attraction. Does this solve a need I have? Or more commonly, does it simply engage me because it speaks my language? Does it invoke curiosity? Is it entertaining? Something that inspires me to stay engaged with this piece. And the final part is then I must give a direct. A direct is now that you've consumed it, I have to, as efficiently as possible, get you, the prospect, to take an action. And the key is it must be reasonable. If you're looking to buy a car, Darius, I'm the car sales guy, and you come by my lot because you saw that floppy flannel, you know, that clown thing outside. That <laughs> that's, balloon the D, thing. that's the D, right? The first D. Yeah, that's the D, which, by the way, has become habituated. You see that thing, and you're yeah, like, yeah, oh, cheesy yeah. car sales. We blow it by. The first person doing that caught our attention. That you come in, you're like, hey, I need a car. Then what I'll do is um, I could say, hey, give me $100,000. We'll deposit that. We'll find your dream car. And you'd be like, F no, weirdo. But I could say, would you be willing to give me your cell number? I'll take pictures of our inventory so we can find your dream car. That is a reasonable ask. And it matriculates us. It moves us toward the ultimate transaction, which is the sale. Run the data test against anything. If, if you're not doing all three elements, your marketing will not be successful. And if you look at your competition, they're not doing it. It will not be successful to the degree it could be. That's, that's what this is about. So, man, I love that. And 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 so the book, um, you guys are, it launches, what's the date that you guys launched? September book? 21st. So a month from today. Oh, man, that's a big deal. And so is it for any business? Is it for the small entrepreneur, the mid-sized entrepreneur, the digital entrepreneur? The you, Who's the audience for? Yeah. So if your business is under $5 million in revenue, that, that's the community I serve. If you're a micro enterprise under a million dollars, absolutely. This, I think, will be a home run for you. I really believe in what I call the underdog entrepreneur and uh, give you mechanisms to market at no cost throughout the book. But I also, because we already have it circulating with some groups, there's been marketing departments using it. it it's a framework that can apply at any level. But really, I've, I've written this for the micro enterprise, small business. And what got you motivated for this specific topic? Okay, so here, here was an awakening. I was talking to uh, people about marketing. They say, I don't want to be bothersome. I don't want to do it. There's a big fear. I've concluded that marketing, if your offering is better than the competitions, if your book serves a client dollar for dollar so extraordinarily well, if we care for our customer, we have a responsibility for them to discover us. Yeah. Therefore, I've concluded marketing is the ultimate deliberate act of kindness, not a bothersome thing. We have. I'm not saying manipulate people and make them buy, but we have a responsibility for them to notice something that's superior so they can make an educated choice. So marketing is kindness. That's what motivated me to do this. Oh, I love it, man. And and so what's the best way for people to, you know, right now the book launches in four weeks. What's the best way if people maybe want to pre-order it or if people want to get ahead of the curve? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the best place is to go to gogetdifferent.com. Gogetdifferent.com. You can pre-order the book. There's all the links there for any, any site. But I think what's really cool is there's resources there, including a hundred marketing tips that cost nothing or maybe a few dollars that are way different than anyone else is doing. So you can start doing, I call them marketing experiments today at gogetdifferent.com. And, and if there's people out there like entrepreneurs or coaches or anybody that want to buy these maybe more in bulk, like how, is there any opportunities for that? Yeah. So uh, if you go to gogetdifferent.com and you're willing to share your email address with me on September 21st, we're going to be announcing uh, a multi book purchase. You do the same with your book launch. I saw some of the gifts you gave away were awesome. Um, I think some of the gifts we're giving away are really powerful too. So you can get the books in bulk at discount so you can share and distribute them plus lots of free bonus stuff uh which one of i think one of them actually includes the if you so desire an interview for inclusion in a future book i have three books now queued up and i'm looking for stories all small businesses have stories and inevitably you're going to fit in one so you can get featured in one of my future books so go get different.com is where yes. people need to go for pre-orders and if they put their email in if they're interested in doing some of the bulk stuff they could do that there too that's exactly right Oh man, well count me in for 10 bucks. I'm in for that. Oh dude, you are a beast. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, that. it's my it's my pleasure. Um, Mr. McCallowitz, the time has come and gone. I wish we had more. But yeah, go get different.com is where people can find you. The book comes out September 27th. 21st. 21st. 21st, excuse me. Guys, first week of book launch. People are trying to sell a whole year's worth of books in one week. So we gotta crush it. I'm gonna make sure this show comes out the week before, if that works for oh, you. Awesome. The be week awesome. before, is that better for you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, week the up. day of. The week, week of, the week before, before you tell me. 
Well, the, the, the best for a book launch is actually because consumption of like a podcast and stuff, most of it happens within the day of the broadcast. So if it came out September 20th, like that Monday or 21st, selfishly, that's 21st. great exposure. Uh, I'm, it's coming out the week of the 21st. So, Dude, uh, you, so you God, look in the mirror. You're going to see the sexiest beast on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh, man. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, Michalowicz, Mr. Mike Michalowicz, I appreciate you. You are a friend. You are a saint. You are a gift to the world with the books you're doing. And man, this is so much fun. Thank you, brother. So much gratitude, my friend. We'll talk soon, guys. Peace out. See you guys next week. See you guys. <laughs> you are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Guys, The Greatness Machine is all about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. And leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons, and you will also get links that came out during the show. So on there, look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.